You're listening to South Facing Light, the podcast about finding light in small everyday moments. I'm your host, Abigail Bobo. This is Abigail Bobo on South Facing Light. For this season, I'd like to try something a little different. We're shaking it up every time. Um, So... I am currently in Romania um, at the time of this recording. I <laughs> I jumped on a plane um, with about a week and a half's worth of notice. Um, I had like a two-week window, and I'm here in a little town called Syria. It's spelled S-I-R-I-A, but it's pronounced Syria. And uh, I am staying about three blocks from a Roma community. Um, And the Roma are also known as gypsies in the European continent. But I am working uh, with a nonprofit that provides jobs, social services, and training to the Roma people. This season both of the podcast and of my life, I feel like I'm going to be on the road a lot more collecting stamps in the passport (laughs) and exploring fun little rooms. Um, the one I'm recording in today, you can probably hear the floorboards creaking. Um, and you can probably hear how echoey it is. Um, I'm sitting in a little room or walking back and forth across the floorboards. Um, with a beautiful old um, wood-burning fireplace and um, old Scandinavian modern furniture. And I'm about to go out and take some more photos. Um, But this season, I'm going to be recording podcasts on the road, simply because I think telling stories in real time is a really, really powerful thing. So buckle up for season three of South Facing Light. I'm your host, Abigail Bobo, a commercial photographer, also shooting documentary and humanitarian work. Shortly after the Ukrainian war broke out, I had a strong desire to go and help on the Ukrainian border. And I prayed about it, and I felt a definite no, which really, really disappointed me. Um, Because I, and I was just saying, you know, God, like, I want to go do something to help, and I just don't feel like I can. Um, And so I don't feel like you're saying yes. And so I, I told God, I was like, well, I would like to go somewhere. And so I went to sleep that night and I had a dream. Um, in the dream, I was sitting at a long wooden table um, with in a place that I knew was Eastern Europe um, with people that I knew were Christian. And in the dream, there were all of these um, Indian tapestries on the wall, like um, from the country of India. And I woke up from that dream that morning and Googled, you know, Eastern European countries with Indian influence. 
And um, I learned that Romania was settled by Indian immigrants and that there's also another people group there called the Roma who were fourth caste um, members that were brought over as slaves to fight a war in Europe and who stayed and who were um, part of Hitler's um, extermination in World War II, which is horrifying and have been, you know, just involved in these really terrible things in Europe. And there's a lot of racism and ostracism. And so I'm kind of digesting like, oh, the stream was about Romania, a country that's not even on my radar at all. And I just kind of feel like I need to go post this in a networking group that I'm in. And this girl knows of an organization called Networks Romania. And I get on the phone with them. This is mid-March. I get on the phone with the director and I, you know, they're also Christian and they, I tell them about the dream and they're like, oh, great. Well, we need someone to come and do um, photos and videos for our organization. And I was like, when would you like me to come? And they were like, we have some time at the end of the month. And I was like, so do I. So a week after having that dream, I was booking a round trip, um, 10 day on the ground, two days of travel to Romania um, from the States. And so the whole thing was a whirlwind. Um, you know, I was in the middle of a large um, production for a tractor company that week. Um, really cool folks. But you know, in the middle of all of that, and then, you know, just on this, you know, just doing all these different things. And I was also in the middle of a website launch, like it was really crazy, but I got all the files to the client and I got the site uploaded and it launched with my developer the night I was flying to Romania. And so I had barely had a second to sit down until I was on the plane and I... I had this amazing conversation with um, I was sitting with a free metal seat, no less, um, in business class um, with this guy. And he was um, he was actually going home to Poland and he was a he had been a newspaper man and a photojournalist um, and, you know, he was going home to Poland to visit family. So we were just talking about photography and news and politics and it, you know just he was telling me more of his experience with the Roma I, it was just a really fascinating plane ride and so you know normally when I go to a foreign country I you know in order to not be entitled you know I don't like to assume that other people speak English because I don't want them to assume that I can speak you know, for example Romanian um, but I, it was so fast. I, you know, I barely had time to just look up the Rick Steves, like blog post. And Rick Steves said that everybody in Romania knows English. And I was really excited about this. So I get to the airport in Timiashwara, which is not, Bucharest is the capital, 
Timioshwara is a fairly large town, but it is a very nice large town in the middle of countryside. And so I get there and I'm trying to figure out where to go. And I realize that no one really speaks English. <laughs> I don't know where I am. And I was like, Rick Steves has lied to me. <laughs> and so, and plus, um, you know, Romania is, was a communist country. They were behind the Iron Curtain. And so, you know, a lot of their architecture and infrastructure is still, you know, communist era. And so, like, I walk into the airport and it's T90. And there's like this old, um, like flight counter that's just ticking off these different times at, at times of departure, you know, like where it will just roll and like you manually change it. And I was like, oh my God, where am I? <laughs> but anyway, so I find the rental car counter. 15 minutes after my flight has landed, you know, I've gotten my baggage and navigated this airport. Um, and I get to the rental car counter and there's only one rental car place open and there's two men standing inside of it. And it's my rental car company. And they were like, they do speak English and they're like, hello, we have been waiting for you. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, <laughs> it took me a minute. Um, sorry about that. And they, so then they're like going through all the paperwork and, you know, like that, I think, and then I realized I'm their only customer that day. And <laughs> so they were like really excited, um, for multiple reasons. And, you know, I was chatting with the guy and he was like, <laughs> he was like, so Bobo this is a, a family name, and <laughs> my personality really started to came, come out, and I overshared, and I was like, yes, it's French. We immigrated to America, and then it screwed us all up, and <laughs> the guy, he did not know if it was okay for him to laugh, but he really wanted to, and the guy behind him cracked up. <laughs> so anyway, like, they took me out and they were like, we got you like the nicest car straight from Bucharest. It's brand new. And I was like, Oh, I, I'm going to a really <laughs> difficult area. I don't know that I want the best, but okay. And so they take me like talking about the weather, just so nice. And he was like, okay. And when you bring the car back, the code to get in, is one, two, three, four pound. I was like, this is a high security joint. But I, there, you know, were about 15 cars all told for four different rental companies. Like, and I was like, and so begins my adventure in Romania. And I can't tell you, like, I, I've traveled all over the world. And, but it was my first time in Romania and, like, seeing Soviet-era, communist-era architecture, it was just such a huge shock to the system. 
And, you know, it wasn't just, you know, the, the driving can be a little crazy. I mean, I, I live in Nashville, so, you know, I know how to hold my space in the road, but still it was, it was just such a shock, but it was also so beautiful. Like the houses and buildings are painted all these different colors. And like, one of my favorite things about going overseas is like, when you're in a different spot on the globe because the earth is round, like the light hits it differently in different spots. And so it's the same beautiful sunlight, but it's always changing. And so, you know, I just really, really enjoyed um, just getting to to drive through all that, you know, stopping at a ATM, you know, I look very out of place in general, um, you know, but just having those little moments. So I drive to a little town about an hour to an hour and a half from Timiashwara, um, which, by the way, no one in Munich knew what Timiashwara was or where it was, which I did not find comforting. It could have also been that I pronounced it Timiosara, and I learned that there is an inflection that says Timiosara. Um, and this is why we don't pronounce things phonetically. Anyway, um, so Syria is about a quarter mile square. It's laid out in a grid um, with farmland all around. Um, and you have to drive through several other smaller towns and villages to get there. Um, it's laid out really beautifully. Like you'll drive through countryside and then you'll hit a little town and then you'll drive through more countryside. Really lovely, beautifully laid out. So I get there, you know, in the afternoon and I'm staying with somebody at the organization named Dea. He was just lovely, but I don't know this yet because I haven't met her. So I'm like, okay, we're going to see how this goes. So this lovely person comes out, and then it's like, hello, you must be so tired. And she's like, okay, I don't know what your standards are. I hope you like your room. If you don't, we'll find you somewhere else. And I was like, standards? I was like, I have slept on army cots for two months, like, on on trips and photo. I was like... Is there a bathroom inside? Like, what are we talking about? Standards. And so she takes me into this beautiful little room with just uh, these, with just these gorgeous, um, like, pink and cream and tan and vintage Scandinavian modern furniture. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I don't know what your standards are, but, like, this will do. And so, but anyway, I was staying in a little cottage with Dea, who is a psychologist and he works in the organization, um, in their production warehouse is Romanian, but studied in Holland. Um, Dea's one room, D-E-A-S dot O-N-E dot R-O-O-M is her Instagram handle. Um, but she's also like an interior decorator and very creative and all of these things. Um, so I stayed with her. And so Romanian houses are very, well, at least the ones in the village where I was staying, 
I can't speak to all of Romania, but um, very simple, like cottage structures with a courtyard and a garden. Um, and so I would come to learn that that basically um, all of these houses, uh, there's kind of a structure to them. So, you know, the, the street is for meeting strangers and acquaintances. The courtyard is for friends, and the inside of the house is for um, family and intimate friends that are like family. So just a really powerful thing. And, um, you know, it was just it was just lovely to stay with her. And, um, and there were little fruit trees and just, just lovely. So um, I, I stayed with her, and then I started meeting some other folk. Um, at the organization um, over the next couple of days. So basically, this organization was started by a man named Lee Seville, who was a lawyer at a top law firm in England, um, had an encounter with God, and was just met with incredible love at the Toronto Revival in Canada, um, which you can Google it's really fascinating, and I've actually been there to some of their services, and it's very powerful and, to me, feels very authentic. Um, and so I spent some time with Lee um, for the first couple of days, and he told me that after this encounter with God, he began to experience a lot of shifts in his life and then randomly wound up in Romania Um on a little travel trip, I'm no doubt butchering the story, but just for the sake of time, he wound up in Romania and just started noticing how many street children there were. And he would start to feed the street children and just have these incredible encounters with love. And um, Ali um, wound up leaving his law practice, selling his house and possessions and moving to Romania, where for, I believe, around 10 years, he worked taking care of street children um, and uh, and running orphanages and um, really taking on the role of a parent um, and caring for children in very basic and very down-to-earth ways. And then he, um, he spent some time um, realizing that there was a reason that some of these children were being, um, becoming runaways. And he decided that instead he wanted to invest into their family and into their communities. So he, because of the relationships he had built with Roma people over 10 years, he was allowed to move into this village, um, which is, quite an honor to be invited into a Roma community and to be welcomed and, um, you know, cherished. And, you know, really his sacrifice made quite an inroad into the entire Roma community. And so, you know, Lee was really kind enough to spend around a day um, with me just kind of chatting through these things and then, you know, chatting through some of the struggles that the Roma people have faced for many years and, you know, really wanting to make sure that we do things that 
were honoring to them. Um, and that when, you know, really I was given a crash course on, um, you know, socioeconomic conditions and, um, just, you know, situations that they continually face. So that's a really long introduction. Um, but, you know, I spent a couple of days with them and, you know, just kind of wandering around the village and, um, you know, you have to be welcomed, like, and, you know, there's a moment where in a tight-knit community, you'll either be loved or not loved. And, um, so, you know, I purposed in my heart to just walk around and be a friendly face and take photos of horses and houses and things that weren't people, um, for a couple of days, because we had agreed that I would take photos for the organization and also, do a portrait project of some of the people in the community and then give those photos back to the community as prints so they could have and enjoy. So I start walking around, but then I just get absolutely uh, surrounded with children of varying ages who basically see the camera and they're like, Posia, Posia, and they photographia. And <laughs> They start taking me around to all of the people that they think I should take photos of. And so the project begins. Um, so one really cool thing that I do is I, I work with a Hasselblad 500CM, which is a film camera that as you look into the top, you see the image um, backwards and flipped around. And it's something where you can show different people. So I had often many people around me, you know, and Romanian culture is collectivist, not individualist. So we made collectivist art where I would have, you know, four or five people around me peering into the camera with me and saying, oh, that's good. That's good. No, that's not good. That's good. And just encouraging the people that were having their photo made. Um and two, like, the camera is quite sturdy, so, you know, I can hand it to a child without worrying about it. And I really think that that's um, one of the things that's so important. But anyway, um, I spent two days with them in their workshops. So the Roma are very talented. You know, they haven't been given a lot of opportunities to have jobs, but they're very skilled workers. And so they have a leather shop and an assembly line shop and, you know, Networks is trying to create jobs in the community to improve families and futures. So I spent a couple of days bumming around the workshop with everyone, you know, taking photos and videos of people creating beautiful handcrafted leather bags and such. And I just felt so loved and welcomed. You know, not, not many folks spoke much English, but, you know, I, I was me, and they, they decided to like me, and I'm really thankful for that. Um, trust is not an easy thing to get or to build, um, but it is a beautiful thing when it is freely given, and it was truly freely given to me. Um, but then one of the main projects I was working on was with their nurse midwife, Roddy. She is now my friend. I love Roddy. 
we had a lot of bonding experiences, which you're about to hear about too. Um, so Roddy is Roma, and she is a trained licensed nurse midwife that's been hired by networks to be a pre and postnatal doula. So Roddy um, does house calls with Roma women. So Romania has socialized medicine, so in theory, everyone gets the same access to the same doctors. But Roma women were dying at much higher rates than Romanian women in childbirth, as were their babies. Um, so networks did an experiment where Roddy came in, and she started in three or four different communities. She started doing house calls with all the pregnant women. And basically, they have, in the last six years since Roddy started working with them, they have not had more than one baby die. And in fact, their maternal and infant death rate is now better than Romanian women. And so it was really powerful. I actually went on house calls with her. And if you'll remember from earlier in the episode, street is for strangers, courtyard is for friends, and the bedroom, which is often connected to the kitchen um, and family room, it's all in one, and everybody sleeps in the same bedroom to stay warm. The bedroom is for family, and it's a very intimate thing. And so because of Roddy, the trust that she's built with people, I was invited into people's bedrooms to sit with them and also to take photographs. And it was so incredibly rewarding just to be with people, to pray with them, to sit with them, and to just enjoy, like, so many beautiful babies <laughs> that are just, like, little squelchy, happy, wriggly things, um, little tiny people. It was so joy-filled and such a beautiful um, outworking of the love and time that Roddy has put in. But I do have to tell you a harder story because I think this is probably the most impactful moment that I had while I was in Romania. And honestly, in the past, when God's asked me to do a thing, there have been so many outworkings that, you know, it's hard to say like that this was the thing, but this was really impressed upon me um, that this was a main thing. So Roddy and I went to an encampment just outside the town of Arad. Um, it's a, it, it was a Roma, um, city or, um, community, I, I guess is a better way to put it. Um, much lower crime rates, lower gang violence, family oriented, adjacent to Arad because it was easier for people to work and the Roma are hard workers and good workers, um, with limited opportunities, but they had gone to where the opportunities were, and this encampment had been there for 18 years. The problem was that it was houses built out of a trash dump, and so these houses had been built out of rubble, construction rubble, from a trash dump. And so, you know, I was—that's a shocking thing to see people living on top of trash, children 
on top of trash. Just a difficult thing to see in the first place. Um, really, really crushing levels of poverty, etc. But the problem is the city of Arad had been saying for two or three years that they were going to take money from the European Union and use it to build a soccer field where this trash dump was. And the organization I'm a part of offered them several solutions for rehousing some of the Roma, and the city turned it all down. And so the week I was there was the week that they were going to knock down all the houses. So we pull up. I'm reeling with shock of seeing this. And then Roddy, who's used to this, has another wave of shock watching because we're watching families stand outside of their houses, watching them get torn down. And it was just so heartbreaking to watch. And so I, you know, what do you do in a situation like that? What, what do you do? Um, There's nothing to do. It's, already been done, but you can be with people and you can be a witness. So, you know, Roddy, of course, speaks Romanian and I believe Roma, which is a completely different dialect. And so she's, Roddy's doing the talking, but, you know, I see a a beautiful grandmother sitting there and she has on a blue sweater and she has on these, has on, she has these bright blue eyes And the sweater is the same color as her eyes, and it's very clear that this has been carefully selected. So I point to my sweater and my eyes, and then I point to her, and I give her a thumbs up. I'm like, I like your sweater. (laughs) And she just kind of nods, and I just says, can I I say posia? (laughs) And, you know, that's really the only Romanian word that I know is posia, and isus te ubeste which is Jesus loves you. And I'm like, I'm here for pictures and Jesus, like, that's it. Uh, (laughs) And I, I, I know like chow and no, and yes. And anyway, um, but you know, she, the grandmother looks at me and she points to the camera and she points to the scene of destruction And then she makes a writing gesture. And then she says, you write? And I said, yes, ma'am. And she says, posia. And that was kind of the general vibe at the garbage dump is we want to be seen and we want to be witnessed. We don't expect that you'll have a solution but we do want to be seen. And I see this so much in my humanitarian document. I hate the word humanitarian, but like in this documentary work, I am not there to fix people, but I am there to witness. And I am there to be with people, to pray with them, to do what I truly can in the moment. But that is where the power comes isn't witnessing with people what they are going through and those moments of empathy and compassion are so incredibly powerful 
And love cannot be underestimated. Love cannot be underestimated. So there was a police presence there. So, and I'm a tall, white, blonde girl walking around this garbage dump. So we were hiding my camera's bags and then acting like we knew where we were going. But I took some beautiful photographs that people deeply desired to be in. And that, that is powerful. So I don't know what has happened to some of the families and neither does the organization because they had nowhere to go. So now we don't know where they've gone. Um, some of Roddy's clients that she was caring for, she doesn't know where they are right now. She doesn't know how she can help them. You know, and we went into another aroma area. Um, and there are a lot of hard living conditions. And systematic issues are really difficult to fix. But organizations like Networks are working to fix these situations, not by saying that they can fix everything, but by believing that small acts of love go a long, long way. That's, you know, not to get too personal, but that's how I've experienced God. Like, so rarely is it all in an instant. It can be in an instant that a, a big change comes. But so often it is small moments where you know that you're loved, that things start to change for the better. And so this is really my whole story about Romania. You know, there are many many little stories. Um, but those are the, the major points, honestly. Um, and if you want to be a part of the small acts of love that Networks Romania is doing, you can go to networks.org.ro. You can buy really cool hats, bags, etc., And you can also donate. And you can also, if you have an organization or a company, that wants to mass produce items or who wants to create client gifts or what have you, this is an excellent place to put your money. I don't say that lightly. I do give generously, but I am careful about what I give my money and time to because I want to make sure that it's going to somewhere that will lift up people and benefit them. You know, I think about Yosa. He was the head of, he's Roma, and he is the head of their gardening program. And, you know, Yosef is a part of distributing seeds to the community and helping people build greenhouses so that they can take control of their own uh, food supply. When money's tight and hard, they know how to garden. And Yosef helps people grow their plants. He has beautiful greenhouses. Um but if you want to see any more of the work that they're doing, go onto my website under personal and world stories. You'll find a whole gallery dedicated to Networks Romania, but you can also go on their website and check it out more. I hope you've enjoyed my story about being in Romania. It's really a challenging thing to travel in these areas, but it is one of the things that makes my heart come most alive. When I do commercial projects, a portion of the proceeds goes back into funding projects like this for organizations like this that are working 
to heal, support, and empower communities that have people that have been overlooked. Um, so much of my work, I just believe that people want to be seen and known. And photography can be a really beautiful tool when handled correctly to help people feel seen, loved, and known. So if you want to get involved, you can go directly to networks.org.romania or uh, .ro, not Romania, <laughs> or you can um, jump on my site. If you have an upcoming project that you want to work on, you know, maybe it's not doing a nonprofit thing. Maybe you have commercial things that you want to work on. There is nothing that is too small and nothing that is not impactful, especially in the world of advertising, because our work gets seen by so many people and it impact and intent matter. You can also, if you know of a deserving nonprofit, whether they're in the Nashville area or somewhere else, I love getting to work with local nonprofits to give them imagery that's compelling and that energizes the donor base behind their story. So visit abigailboba.com, A-B-I-G-A-I-L-B-O-B-O.com to find out more. I hope that this episode inspired you to seek God for crazy, amazing adventures, but also to impact the world around you with better stories.